When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Recorded live. It wasn't 
one of those things where you're kind of like, things to tolerate to it, they could have cried a whole bunch, or I could have celebrated a whole bunch because grandma wasn't hurting anymore. She was suffering. And, and I talked to my grandpa, and he, he was so okay. Um, a friend of mine called me, and he was kind of, it was really, I was kind of very long, a couple of days after, so I found it. It was a whole lot of pictures in his own school, and he told me later that night, he said, um, how are you doing? I'm doing very How are you? Right? Oh, I'm the mom. Oh, she's good. And, um, so how are you doing? Are you good? Like, that's it. I'm like, there's something you want to ask me? <laughs> And I already knew if you talked to my brother, so I didn't think this would happen. They just wanted to talk about me and make sure you know. The same thing, make sure you're not getting introverted and you're not talking to people about stuff like this. Not fine. And I, I didn't realize until so he told me that, that I was just kind of not really talking about anything. Just kind of everything smiling and the little things in town. And it was, it was just a nice check for the Holy Spirit. Um, so I'm going to release stuff and then begin to pray to you. And it wasn't like I wasn't doing that anyway, but I didn't realize that I was just kind of shutting down malaria just for them to do a certain thing. But, so not, even before that, not point, but it's just bringing people that, I guess you wouldn't really expect to be around to just kind of, um, not normally people. But it was it was good, and that there were a lot of Joseph was actually pretty protected behind. That's exactly what I was talking to Gloria about. So I mean, you know, did the messages. I'm sorry for your loss. I'm sorry for this. I don't feel like it's a loss. I feel like I can't wait. I can't wait to rejoice and praise this my brother, so she understands. And one thing she said was, I know you missed her, I know it hurt, but she's living. And this is good. And it, and it was, those two words, it's true. Mm-hmm. And thank you for saying that. <laughs> she did. And then I was listening to Christine Payne. She um, was talking about a vessel message. Or she was at vessel talking about the church. She was saying how she brought us to church. And um, out of all the big places she gets to speak, she loves the church. And she loves the church, the people that make up the church. And um, she said, even the people who don't want to see a church, she loves those people. And it was funny because you hear everybody kind of cheering, and you hear when you kind of hit something because it would get a little quiet. And, um, she just started talking about how the body is so important and how they work together and how they come together in some kind of need and how we're supposed to love each other and help each other up. And um started talking about um, the disciples and how um, when they were passing out the fishes and loaves, um, this is and um, how they're like, I don't know how it's going to happen. And so he's right through all of them and said, I have this. And he said, well, let's start talking about. And the miracle was happening at their hands. We, we all heard, you know, of 
Buddhism just preached different ways. And the disciples were just like, wow, Jesus, what's going to happen now? And he's like, it's happening in your hands. Like, what do you mean? And how immediately after this great miracle that they got to take part in, um, Jesus took them out and there was a storm. <laughs> and it was deliberate. It wasn't because it just happened that way. And in the midst of that, comes talking to them, and they still didn't recognize the miracle maker. There was still more that had to be built in and cultivated. And we look at the people who made up the disciples, and Peter was kind of a jerk. You know, there's people that you don't really want to receive from. And, and I think that sometimes when we're in the middle of life, and we're used to the people that are around us, it's easy not to receive from each other. But when you, you're in that moment where you need a miracle or where something happens, you guys participate. We've all participated, especially the church, in great miracles. Awesome things have happened. And when it's hot, when we're in the middle of the storm, when, you know, something terrible happens, that really makes me as terrible as it seems, but it's still kind of terrible. We're kind of like, Lord, he's like, you just walk in the midst of a miracle. You're walking in the miracle. What are you, I'm walking on water. Like, why are you scared? Like, there's three things to work. He looks like he's gone. And we can't recognize him. We get the phone calls. We get the text messages. And we receive that way. But that comes from Christ in us, Christ in each other. That's how we communicate, how we connect. At the, at the funeral, everybody was going to say something or ask the people to do this part of the case. And it kind of felt like they lost the case. That would be a great thing. That was the entire process. I call it a process because it took, it took time to get to where the grandma is right now. And it was a process. And she, she's free, she's living, she's running with her boys, with her sister, with with everybody she wanted to be with anyway, you know? Not that she didn't want to be here. She just wasn't aware of her, of where she was. And, um, during that whole thing, there was a whole other thing that shouldn't have happened. The little moments of clarity that, that my grandma was just starting to talk, speak to some, that was the Lord speaking right then and there. Those were miracles. Those were miracles that whole time. And if I wasn't obedient and feeding that my men right now, I wouldn't have got to be part of that. I wouldn't have been able to see that. And I was so grateful to the Lord just for just for where I'm at. I was grateful that I I take care of all my kids because I had that flexibility of being able to just be available for you know, blocked time. And I, I was just overly grateful and just overjoyed that at the position I was able to be in. And sometimes it was worse and it was exhausting, not just tired, it was exhausting. And, and there was a 15 year old girl in there the whole time who kept up and who did things that not even grown people who are qualified to do these things. It was, it was a blessing. And I was, I was just grateful for the time that was in. But afterwards, even talking to them on Sunday, how's your grandma doing? How's she going up? 
and with Taylor, like the balcony was going on, and the things that really, really frustrated about things, I would get wisdom for this snapshot, but it's up there, and I know you guys are trying to get done this, but it's even been happening, so it's been prepared. But just hindsight being 2020, and see how much the Bible was doing. And so we're going to talk to in the funeral. I was kind of irritated with family, and you know, David talks about stuff, and it's kind of just so perfect. Nobody wants to come in just as much as God moving in there. And you have to share anything, and he was, he was, no, I don't want to share my heart, because that's not my family. It is my family, and it's like, but it's not my family. This is my family. You guys are my family. And sometimes, you know, so there's no Peters. I'm hard to I'm hard to receive such stuff. But sometimes we know Peter. You know what I mean? We all kind of have our issues with each other. That's family. That's what makes us up. And that's how we move past and we grow from those things. And so and he says everything that the Lord was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to continue to speak to you if you're listening or not. And it came, but then it comes from. I opened my Bible and it was me and his text. And then that tried to comfort me, but there was something else that I needed. And he was family. These are half the pictures that they can have exactly. But I'm, I'm grateful. And I, I'm a true meeting of blessed to tell you the promise because of all these things. And my family is too. But which one in this response is that about him and the big one not the one to There's a lot and and we're grateful for everybody and blessed by everybody. This is this is my family. This is the one to share the things that God has been doing and I have shared starting up with the testimony and it will it will encourage but this is where I want to try my heart to think because it's my So be obedient because we're going to each other's house. We're going to by the Lord on purpose. Non action is done with purpose for each one to be sitting here for the next person. So I will want to share. Thank you. 
But we don't allow to go into greed because greed will overtake you. And it and it will and it will destroy you. But we do mourn. The mourning is just something that lasts and it gets according to the to the laws and traditions it's seven days. Boom, you finish, wash your face, get and get going and, and enjoy life. Because it was understood. God understands eternal life and, and I hope that we would as well. It's all about life. Amen. Now we're going to change gears here, and uh, I asked Pastor George to put a video up, and we're going to enjoy this video. And uh, I want you to put yourselves. I don't want you to join the rapid. I want you to put yourself at the bull. Go ahead, Pastor George.
Already today's message is going to cover offense, and uh, the reason I took this one out is because sometimes, how many here have ever found yourself in the place of the bull, where you came to the flesh, and no matter what you do, it just messes you up even more? How many know that if you just stop and quit reacting? That bull's going to save himself a lot of heartache. Even when, we, even when you think you're winning, you're losing. Now I'm going to move in the middle. We can set this projector down now that we're finished. Uh, if you're on top shoe, you might want to you might want to text and let us know that we are being heard or not heard. Was that this? Okay.
All right. And so, turn our Bibles to the book of Mark, chapter 4. And we're going to talk about something here real quick because it's not going to be long, but we need to understand some things concerning offense. And why is offense so dangerous? And what will it do to you? This cartoon was just a feeble attempt in humor to bring out a classic tale of what it's like when you lose your lose your cool and allow anger to carry you into some more trouble. And uh, I was actually in Mark chapter 4 when I saw an image of this bull, and I thought, you know what, let me see. And I went to, uh, I'm not going to turn around and tell you right out that the Lord said to go there, but it did remind me, thank you, sir, of the bull that a lot of times gets us into a lot of trouble. And many times, and I like the, the different times that it looks like just because he was dead in the flesh, it looked like he was winning. And even when you think you're winning, it'll come back and get you. And many times we go into the area of saying, well, you know, I'm going to give him a piece of my mind and I'm going to do this. And so many times we play out scenarios in our minds that will get us into that place where we begin to act like that dumb bull. Because we leave the realm of the spirit and we leave that area that God has so graciously given us that we might defeat the evil one. And so anyway, as we start in Mark chapter 4, um, Jesus began to teach. And he, he was talking to them about the sower sowing the word. Verse 14. And the sower sows the word. There's where Jesus is explaining the parable. And he said, And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they had heard, the, when they had heard Satan comes immediately and takes the word that was sown in the heart. Now, a lot of people spend a lot of time on the wayside. The wayside becomes a road that's traveled. Now watch this. I want you to get what the picture of the wayside is. How many of you, I I know in the Midwest we see a lot of this, but let's say you're traveling or a rural area and you're on the road. The wayside becomes that area on the side of the road where things grow. The shoulder, if you will. If you're going from from here to Vegas and you go there, you see the wayside and you see a lot of cactus. Not much is growing there. But here, the wayside, it doesn't describe what it looks like, but it, it ultimately describes that the word was sown in the heart. See, the heart. So it wasn't necessarily a bad place that it was sown. It was sown in a place where there wasn't a lot of traffic. Are you with me? So a lot of people make the wayside seem like it was a bad place. It was sown along a path that is not traveled. Are you with me? This is important because you need to understand this. And it said, the devil came immediately to steal the word that was thrown in their heart. 
What was it that the devil came to steal? I can't hear anybody. The word. When the devil comes at you, you know what his whole job is designed to do? To take away what? Okay, let's start over. And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, everyone say heard. Satan comes immediately to take away the word that was sown in their hearts. Keep your finger there on verse 15. And in verse 9, and he said to them, He that has ears to hear, let him hear. So the people that heard the word had the word sown on the where? We just read it in verse 15. Those that heard the word, where was the word sown? In their hearts on the wayside. Was the word sown? Right. The word was planted. Amen? I want you to get that. They heard the word and the word was planted. Now watch this. And when he was alone, they were about him. The twelve asked him the parable. And he said to them, it is given to you to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to them that are without, all these things are done in parables. I want you to understand. When the word was heard, the word was sown. Say it was sown. It was planted. Now watch this. What was that word given for them to know? The answer is in verse 11. It's open book 10. Where? The secrets of what? I can't hear you. We're just staring. The secrets of what? You've got to get this in you. Okay? I want you to get this part in you because it's so important. So when I'm asking a question, it's not just a rhetorical thing where I think we'll just say, I want you to respond. Okay? Now watch this. It is given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom, but how are they known? Because of the word that is the word that you hear that is sown in the heart. It don't matter if it's on the wayside, it just means it's not on the road. Do you ever think, oh, the wayside, that's a bad place? No, it was already in the heart. Okay? Who came immediately to steal that word? Satan, you know why Satan comes and challenges you? What does he want from you? Okay, now we can use, right here when we're studying the Word, we can use deductive reasoning. Look at the Word. We're, I'm teaching you here how to study and how to read the Word. Please, join me because I need to know that this hits because we're not going to move forward if we don't get this part. These are they by the wayside where the Word was sown. Now watch this. But when they heard, Satan came immediately to take the Word that was sown in the heart. When the devil comes at you, what is he coming for? That's right. It's impersonal. You are just ground that receives the word. He's coming to take the word. He's like a serial killer. He doesn't care. A serial killer is just a person. They don't care. They just want to murder. They just want to do what they do. It's not a personal thing. That's what it is with the devil. The word is sown, and he comes immediately. Now watch this. People who are lazy will hear, well, forget it, then. I just won't get in the word. Nope, that's not what you do. Let's keep going. And these are, are they likewise who are sown. Now watch this. If the word is sown, what is the action that gets the word sown? What did they do with the word? He who has ears, let him what? That's right. Those that heard the word. Now, you want to be saying, do I have to have someone preach at me? No. But when you receive this, can I tell you something? Sometimes I'll, I'll do this myself. I'll be reading this and I'll say, Jesus, 
Thank you. Lord, I want more on this. I want, you, I want to hear. Now, you know that you don't hear with the physical ears. You hear with the word of, you hear with the ears of your heart. With the soul, you hear and understand. Amen? Are you with me with this? Are you catching that? Sometimes you get revelation. Sometimes, you know what? Don't leave a word till you get revelation. You don't read the Bible just to read it. Say, well, I read the Bible. Can I tell you what you read? Your comprehension is nothing. The book is not intellectual until it reaches the heart. Because once it's in the heart, now you can parse the word that you hear. I'm going to say it again. Once that word is in the heart, now begin to parse that which is yours. You know what? If I'm serving up steak and we're sitting at a big round table, and I put a steak on everybody, I put this platter with veggies and potatoes and a steak on there, are you going to turn around and get the person next to you and start cutting the steak and eating their steak? Or are you going to start to cut up the steak that's in front of you? Which, which steak are you going to cut? You're going to cut the one in front of you. Why? Because that's yours. Are you hearing me? That's what a rhema word becomes. It becomes your word. It becomes a revealed word of God in your heart. That's the word that you begin to parse. A lot of us go on, and it's okay. If you're a teacher in the word, you need to get the whole book and chop it up. But what I'm telling you, because you're going to teach something. But if I'm not going to teach something and I'm reading something for me, say for me. Because the Bible does tell you to build yourself up on your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Ghost. But if you pray in the Holy Ghost, what is it that builds you more than anything? What's this. The Word. You've got to have in your heart that the Word of God is final authority in your life. Nothing else is a final authority. If a doctor says it, that's not final authority. It's his Word. Because every word that proceeds from the mouth of God becomes yours. But if you take that word that is sown in your heart, now what? It didn't say your mind. But we get a lot of word in our mind. But that which is in the heart, are you hearing what I'm saying? Amen, brother. Just keep going. What? You're encouraging me. What? Likewise, those who are sown on stony ground, when they have heard it, immediately receive it with gladness. How many of you have ever received a, a, a rhema word with gladness? You said, praise the Lord, man. That's awesome. And then what happens? because you don't cultivate that word. Everyone talks about the heart, the heart, the heart. No, it hit the heart. But it might be stony. Why? There's other things in a way. But we're going to get to that. Persecution arises. Now, here we go. Likewise, these, they heard the word immediately, and they have no root in themselves, and so endure just for a little while. Afterwards, when affliction, persecution rise, watch again, for the word's sake, they relapse. What do you relapse into? You relapse into the old man. You relapse back to where you were before you heard that word with gladness. Now, I'm going, to to, I'm going to share something with you. This isn't describing different people. It's describing you. I started looking at this because a lot of people say, well, I'm one with a stony heart. I'm one with a... No, 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 no. How many here sometimes have a heart that's crowded? Now, what's the first word. Why is that word on the wayside? Because the other part's crowded. But the devil comes to take it whether it's on the stony ground whether it's on the wayside, what's this? And these are those that are sown among thorns, as such as hear the word. Now, those among thorns, the cares of the world. Deceitfulness of riches. In other words, you, hey, man, we're on easy street. I don't think you know the word that much. Watch. And, and deceitfulness of riches, the lust of things entering in. Choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. In every event, that word is designed to bear fruit in your heart. Now, watch. 
And the cares of this world, the people are riches and other things. And these are they who are sown on good ground, such as hear the word, receive it, and bring forth fruit, 30, 50, 100 fold. Now, I've got to share something with you. What is the danger? What's the danger here? Allowing things to come in and take the word. Now, I've got, I got to read this. I'm going to read it out of King James. It's out of the Webster. I've got to bring this out of King James for a minute because I've got to get into something here. Verse 17 says, Having no root in themselves, endure just for a little while. Afterwards, when affliction and persecution arise for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. Now that word offended draws a picture that's really interesting. It means to cause to fall, to be overthrown, to stumble, and cause to fall into sin. Nothing now watch this. You know that word where it says, in 1 John 1, 9, says, and the blood of Jesus purifies, cleanses. The 1 John 1, 9, at the end of that chapter, says that it's an ongoing cleansing process of the word. Did you know that this word often has a picture that, it'll actually, that, the, that the word that is sown in the heart because of offense will be bleached away? Kind of like a word where you cleanse it to where it no longer exists. In other words, that word will not have lasting effect on you because the memory of that word will be bleached. How many of you have seen bleach do its work? That's what offense does to our heart. When we get offended, the word starts to become bleached little by little by little by little. Kenneth Hagin saw it in a different way. You've heard him speak uh, on First John chapter 5 where you start out with a black dot in your heart because of offense. And eventually that black dot grows. Where You saw it in a vision where your heart, the center, not the pumping heart, but the center, the core of who you are, eventually becomes blackened to the effect that there is no more light in you, which is the word that we're singing. Because, see, the Bible says that the word of God is the light. He says that Jesus becomes the development of man, which is what? You are developed and developed and developed until you bear the image of Christ. That's in, that's in John chapter 1. But here, the description here is that that word that is sown in the heart and begins to take effect because of offense becomes to, begins to become bleached. And all of a sudden, that word that you know in your mind no longer has an effect because the effectiveness of the word of God is a word that is sown in the heart. That's where the fruit of the word comes from. Not the mind, but it's the heart. The core of a man who bears the value system of that word that is built into a man. When you walk in love, it gets real hard for you to be offended, isn't it? You know, when you were first saved, it didn't matter. I remember I was first saved, and my brother tried to get me to fall back, and just, and, you know, because we used to settle everything just with punches. And they would, and you know what happened is that they wrote, they read a, a, a chick track because I used to use the chick tracks and pass them out everywhere. And they read this one that was called Holy Joe, and it was a, a, a guy that was in the Marines, and he used to buff out other people's shoes, and pretty soon people throw shoes at him, hit him on the head. They kept trying to get him to walk outside of the realm of love. It got to a point where my brothers, they read that, and they started calling me Holy Joe. I took it as a compliment, because they couldn't get me off, my, off of love. 
because that was new. You know what? I'll tell you what. Second-generation believers are going to have a harder time because they don't know what it's like to be lost and then found unless they lost themselves and came back and were found. So when I got saved, I knew what it was like to be without Christ and then to be in Christ. So they couldn't get, get me to fall off. But we're walking in love. God is love. And I'm a child of God. Then I'm, you know what? Then I become the manifestation of love. It is really difficult. That's why the Bible says we overcome. You know what overcoming means? That you're over the circumstances, not under them. We're above only and not beneath. We're blessed going in and coming out. Because we've been forgiven. Completely forgiven. We have been washed clean of our past. God doesn't see it the way we were. He sees us the way that he has made us to be through the blood of Jesus. Amen? Now watch this. I'm going to show you right now a picture of the church. And, I, and, I, and I, I'm, let's go in our Bibles to the book of 2 Kings chapter 5. Now, are you understanding what offense does? It takes the word. How does offense come? Who comes to steal the word? Who does? I can't hear you. But how does he come sometimes? He might come in the form of a bunny. What could this great little rabbit do? You know, can I tell you something? If you've ever watched Bugs Bunny cartoons, he was more satanic than godly. <laughs> and again, you know, it's a cartoon. I don't, you know, a lot of people like Bugs Bunny. But you know what? He, you know, Yosemite Sam, oh my God. What could, you know, he is the roughest, toughest east, west, north, and south of the Pecos. But then he met this rabbit. Now, I'm telling you, the devil comes in many forms to steal the word that is sown in your heart. Get to know that. It's not personal. You know when someone comes at you and they say something, you say, what? Out of left field? No, don't get offended. Remember the bull. The devil comes in left field and goes, dun, 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 dun. And you'll be going like, what? Come back at you. Da, 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 da. Slap you again. And then you start chasing people as though, they're your, as though they're your enemy. Imagine Jesus when he told, what did he tell Peter? Get behind me, devil. Why? Because he was trying to get his appeal, his identity, and his mission. Isn't that true? He recognized who it was. Because watch this, watch this. Oh, Jesus didn't walk in love. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. He recognized who it was and said, adversary, get behind me. It wasn't personal because he was above only and not beneath. He was walking as a man who was filled with the Holy Ghost. Watch this, like you and I should walk if sin wasn't the issue. Jesus is always aware of his identity. Now watch this. I said Second uh, Kings 5. All right, sir. Now Naaman, captain of the hosts of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master, honorable, because by him the Lord had given him deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. Now everyone say he was a leper. Now, 
Everyone say, man, you know what? Seth is a good man. He's a good young man. But you know what? That's right. But he's a sinner. He's a sinner. Doesn't know God yet. That's what it was right here. He was a leper. Leprosy is a sign of someone who is not yet redeemed. But he was a leper. He was a sinner. Could you imagine going through life? I mean, in history, you're known as naming the leper. I mean, all the way, here we are, thousands of years later, naming the leper. But what did he describe him as before? What? Honorable man. But he was a leper. Now watch, you've got to get this. And the Syrians had gone out by the companies and brought away captives out of the land of Israel. A little maid, and she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, Would God, my Lord, were, were the prophet that is in Samaria? For he would recover him of his leprosy. And he went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid that is of the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand pieces of gold, ten changes of raiment. And he brought a letter to the king of Israel, saying, Now when this letter is come unto thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman my servant to thee, that thou may recover him of his leprosy. Everyone say Naaman was a servant. I want this. I want you just to see this. And I came, and it came to pass that when the king of Israel read the letter, he, sent, he rent his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and make alive? This man does send unto me to recover this man of leprosy. Wherefore, consider, how would you seek to quarrel against me? And it was so that when Elijah, the man of God, had heard, say Elijah, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, he sent to the king saying, Wherefore, thou hast rent my clothes. Let me do something here. When Elisha had heard the man of God, a king of Israel, tore his clothes, he sent a message unto the king and said, Why would you tear your clothes? Please let the man come visit me, and he will learn that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman arrived with his horses, chariots, and stood in front of the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger out to him who told him, Go bathe in the Jordan River seven times, and your flesh will be restored. Now stay clean. But Naaman flew into a rage and left, telling himself, Look! I thought, surely he's going to come out to me, stand still, call out my name, the name of the Lord, and wave his hand over me, over the infliction, and cure the leprosy. Aren't the Abana and the Parpar rivers in Damascus better than the water in Israel? Couldn't I just bathe in them and be clean? So he turned away and left, filled with anger. Now, how many know that that happens in church with offense? Pastor couldn't even come to my house and lay hands on me? He had to pray a prayer in church and say, Thou be as well, or send me a text? Doesn't he care? He even send the elders down to the church and wave their hands. And declare the name of the Lord over me and say, Be well! Now, I want to show you. You guys kind of, kind of laugh a little bit, but doesn't this happen in church? Pastor didn't even say hi to me. Sometimes, if I'm sitting up here, sometimes I don't see anybody. I had, I had something to say. I had a word, but sometimes people sit like this. I don't see them. They give me the Hitler wave. I don't see it. That's why I have usher sometimes say, show me if someone's waving their hand. I don't want people to get offended. 
Listen. We are in a place in history where God is wanting to magnify the church because it's through the church that he's going to reach the world. It's not about a man. It's about the kingdom. It's about the influence of the kingdom of God in this world. Why? Because the word that is sown in your heart is designed to do what? Teach me to get rich and all my needs are met to stay healed. No. The reason he puts money in your hands and, and heals your body is so that you can make known the mysteries of the kingdom through the word that was sown in your heart to influence and reach a lost and dying world. That's why I want you well. Without a mission, without a vision, what happens to you? You perish. This is why I like what Pam brought out about Annalisa. She's got vision now. Now she knows within this, and Romans chapter 12 describes the ministry of hospitality. So it's not something made up. It's in the Word. This is where we come full circle to where I left last week. In Ephesians it says that the pastor, teacher, evangelist, prophet, and apostle. I said that chapters on purpose because a lot of people get a big kick out of apostles number one. No, it's not. They're even. They're all called. They all do what they're supposed to do. To what? Prepare you and me for the work of the ministry. Everyone say work. I heard Bill Winston put a quote out. And he said, every single one of you is born with gifts, talents, and, and, and potential. And the only thing that's going to get it out is work, hard work. We think that just because God waves a hand over you and gives you a prophetic word that it's supposed to happen to you. No, you get out and you get it done. If we're going to reach this world, we've got to get out and get it done. Can I tell you something? This room is hot. This room is uncomfortable. But can I tell you something? Let's make the best out of a weird thing. You understand what I'm saying? We're here. You know what? And we do have people that we're looking for churches. We are looking for buildings. We're looking for churches. I have an appointment today. But it's, you know, and I'll tell you about that after we the, the, the meeting. But what? We're here. You know, Pam and I heard a rumor that, and it's not a rumor, it was a fact, that Pico Viejo and Pico Nuevo are thrown down again out here. Well, why don't we get in there and influence it? Oh, we're not called to reach the homies. You're called to reach everybody. Can I tell you something? You're not going to, you know what? You're not going to catch, we're not back in the 80s where everybody believes you catch what they have. Jesus hugged the leper. You're not going to catch. What you have is greater than what they have. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Let's influence this city. Are you guys out in Pico Rivera? I don't care if we're in Pico Rivera. I don't care if we're in El Monte. I don't care if we're in Baldwin Park. I don't care if we're in Commerce, City of Commerce. I was almost going to say Commerce City. You don't want to go to Commerce City. That's Colorado. Okay, we don't want to go to Commerce City. No. But what? <laughs> But what I will tell you is that wherever God plants us, I don't care, God, can I tell you something? Pastor Johnson from the church that we were meeting with up at, that we were sharing the room with in the Quality Inn, God took him from Roland Heights to South Central. Some people would look at that as a demotion. He got excited because he said, there's a harvest. Because he was having a hard time harvesting in, in, in Roland Heights. It's true. He told me. They'd bring in people, and he said, whoa, he's a black pastor. Talk about opportunity for offense. But God has called us. But we've got to quit being offended with each other. Because you know what that does? 
Satan comes immediately to take the word. It's not God. It's not, can I tell you something? Julio can come to me like a bunny, sweet, just come hopping over to me and slap my face. And then I'll, I'll start going to war with him. But I should already see the devil came. And I say, no, Satan, in the name of Jesus, you'll not take my joy. I'll continue to walk in love. What about what he did for you? You're just going to let him walk all over you? Because that's what the world says. You know that if I don't let him win, and me and God know that he ain't winning, you know that I'm still a winner? Even though the world says, I should have done something. Why didn't you say something back? Because God held my tongue and said, peace, you're a winner. And again, I'm going to go back to the, 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 the illustration that we saw, a little five-minute illustration. In the end, what happened to the big, strong bull? He blew up. Sometimes. The Bible says, you know what? <laughs> The Bible says that that which is in a man's heart, what happens with that which is in a man's heart later on? What does it do to him? It reveals him, but what does it end up doing? It destroys you. Because what happens is that when we stand in pride, pride is a killer. Pride is a killer. Humility puts you completely dependent upon God, watch this, and his people. You know the hardest thing about being a pastor and being someone in the ministry? Is that you're dependent upon God and dependent upon his people. I don't look at your faces. I look at God. But we're dependent upon God and his people. Now watch this. When people, Brother Copeland said this one day, and we were li- I was listening, this is back when we were listening on the radio, and, and he hadn't been on TV yet. And he said, I remember I was kind of missed a little bit when I heard this, but I understand it now. He said, you know why we're not, our bills aren't paid? is because a lot of you, God told you what to do, and you're just sitting on what God has told you to do. I was supposed to have in July what God told you to do, but you're still sitting on what God told you to do in July and August, and my July bills are still paid for. And he said, I'm not talking to you that are obeying God. I'm talking to you, those of you that are sitting on what God told you to do. Now, I got offended. Because you know what I thought he was doing? Watch this. Watch this. Look at me. Those preachers are always talking about money. Why? Because I was on the side of those people who are always talking against preachers. Now, are there preachers that are talking about money? Yes. I'll tell you. You don't have to listen. You want to know something? Love them and turn off and change the channel. You know why you love them? Because now you have authority to speak into their lives and pray for them. But when you criticize, you no longer are in the place of being able to pray for them and love them and see God's will in their life. But what if they're all wrong? Love them. Now you have authority to pray for them and speak into their life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm teaching you something about the revelation of God's word. When it comes in, that word becomes rhema. It's not the word that comes in to your mind when you study. It's not the academic word. The academic word, can I tell you, I love studying the Bible even academically. 
But there's times that you stop and you say, Jesus, what are you saying here? There's, have you ever been reading the Word and you know that there's something there? Don't get in a hurry. Just stop and say, Jesus, what are we doing here? What, is, what are you trying to say right here? And you know what? It's like the windows of heaven open up and God begins to speak to the heart. And you're saying, that, how many of you ever hit that joyful, that joyful moment when God speaks and that Word just, the meanings and everything, just, you just know. It's not something you know. It's something you know. How many have ever been there? It's, it's right there, and you say, man, no one could ever take that word from you again. The, the Chinese can come over and take care. Just the, the communist regime come over and take over the United States. They know our Bibles. It's true. You know what I study? I, that's why I admire the Chinese underground church, because in the midst of immense persecution, they thrive and they're having revival. Over here, imagine... The devil comes. He tells his demons, just make it uncomfortable. They won't get into it. You know, set that church up five miles further down the road. They won't go. Have them have evening services. They won't go. Change them and make morning services. They won't go. You understand how spoiled we are here in America? How many of you have read the persecuted church where they, where they kill their children and the parents will say, oh my God, God let me down. Nope, they go and tell their neighbors and there's revival. I don't understand that. Get it here. Get it here. I'll never, he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. You know what? Faithfulness says, I'll never leave or forsake you either. Where do you have me planted, God? I'll never leave them nor forsake them. I'm not going to stop going. Because see, you know they say, you can choose your friends, but you can't choose family. You know, right here, the same thing. Yeah, Pam and I were talking about this on the way up. This is our family. You know why? Jesus said, hey, your mom and your brothers are out there. They want, you know, they're calling you. You know what they want? They want a front row seat. They were waiting in the back. They're here. And he said, wait, who, are, who is my mother? Who's my brother? Who's my sister? Those who come and hear the word and become doers of that word. Isn't, isn't it true? Didn't he say that? He said, that's my family. You know, it's the same way. The Bible says the Holy Ghost puts everyone in the church as he wills. How many of you know that the Spirit of God says? How many of you ever read that in the word? Guess what? A pastor has a family, but he can't choose them. You, can't, you didn't choose everyone that's in here. God did. And can I tell you something? This is family. I was so thrilled to have family show up at, at this funeral. I was thrilled to have them. And more thrilled than anyone else was Pam and, 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 and Larissa. And can I tell you something? There was an extreme labor of love that goes into caring for a loved one. And you, some of you have done this already as well. You'll never understand the labor of love that goes in until all of a sudden it's gone. And you think, what do I do next? Because it, it, it was all-consuming for a little while. To be able to minister to people without thinking of the other part was priceless. That's what family does. There were not enough thank yous inside of Pam, inside of me, that can express the gratitude of those of you that showed up. 
You know why it was so important for those of you that came and showed up? It's because you didn't have to. But inside of you, if I ask you, I, like Pastor George showed up, and I thought uh, he and Sheila show up, and I saw them, and, I, and it's like, hey, and what I said is, you know what, thank you for being here. You didn't have to. And Pastor George said, yes, we did. We had to be here. We had to be here. And that blessed me. And the rest of you, too, there's more stories from most of those of you that showed up. I'm not saying this for those of you who didn't show up. I'm just saying, you know, those who came. And, 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 I, and I'm so thankful. Uh, Rick was praying for me. Because you know what? We were, we were battling demons when we got in there. We had to pray in the Spirit, get the peace of God into that place. And it was, it was crazy. It was crazy. And it, and it was. And I was walking back and forth praying in tongues. People kept calling me and pulling on me. And I wanted to concentrate on the message. And, and everything. Every, by the time I walked up to the front, everything had changed. But God prevailed. We had no clue how music was going to go, but we knew music was a big part of what we had to do. And eventually we hooked up Little D with the right man, and he said, Little D asked him, can I control this? Sure, here, plug in right here. He had him on the floor. I took him a chair, and it began just with the things that the Holy Ghost had ordered. And God did a tremendous thing. And again, I want to say thank you for all of those that went. That was spiritual warfare in which God was glorified. And I, and I want to say thank you all that participated. I thank you all those that were just there to support because the support was sent, felt, and again, thank you. Can I tell you something? I'm just going to say something. Mary Esther knew she had to be there, and I see her coming in, and, and, I say, and she goes, and you know what? It was hot. Don't, don't get me wrong. It was hot. And she goes, yeah, I just got dropped off. Could you imagine? You're going to a funeral, but you just got dropped off. I'm thinking, like, my heart was like, oh, my, thank you for coming. You know, because she's family, but at the same time, she, you know what? Got dropped off. I mean, praise God. And you know what? In Jesus' name, Jesus fixed George's car. On his way home, it just... They don't know quite what's wrong with it. You know what? Car problems are a pain. So I, so I told little D, I said, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find something somewhere that's 74 and under before all the crazy smog laws. And with the boys, what they know, we'll keep it tuned perfectly because the other stuff, you need some sensors and everything else to it. And if you break down on the side of the road, you better have auto club because you can't just put a screwdriver in and fix something. But I told him, I said, and make it clean. Make it look like it's brand new. But anyway, I'm just, I'm just blowing out steam. But you know what? We can't afford to be offended because offense will erase the word that's in our heart. And then we live in offense. And if we live in offense, that word will no longer be an accessible part of who you are. And don't access the word through your memory. Get into the Bible. Get a paperback, a, a book. And quit being so electronically minded. Get something that you have to chew on, write on, color, access, cross-reference. Why? Because the exercise itself gets that word in the heart. And I'm not saying don't use your electronic Bible. If you use your electronic, I, I highlight my Bible, and I put little notes on the side. I make sure I get a Bible program and put notes in so that I can access it and draw pictures and everything else next to it because it reminds 
Sometimes, how many ever gone and you seem to lose the revelation? You go back to the Word, and how many ever have the Bible where you may not know where it is, but you know, but in your Bible you know where it is. You just say, "Oh yeah, that's right back here." Boom, and you see the yellow marking. It's there. It is. You can't beat that. You can't. You can't do that with electronic Bible. Yes. Like Pastor Robert and I were talking about maps. You know what? There's nothing beat looking at the map. Holding it up and getting there. Instead of saying, 1,000 feet, turn left. And I, uh, sometimes I'll be riding with the kids and say, no, you don't. You don't want to turn left here. Keep going. No, you do. And you go down. Google does not know it all. <laughs> anyway. It's true. The persecuted church. We hear, how many have ever heard stories where they don't tell anybody where they're going to meet? But everybody, the Holy Ghost talks to everybody. as me. I think that's amazing. Can I tell you something? Some of us will be like that, but I can guarantee Raymond will find us. <laughs> that's right, he will. <laughs> but I want to just stop right there because I think that we learned something from Bugs Bunny and the Bull. I think... I'm not going to be the bull, and I'm going to recognize the devil in a, in a rabbit suit, because sometimes you're the rabbit, and sometimes I'm the stupid bull. How many, to be honest, how many have ever been in the place of the bull? How many have ever been in that place? You know what, I'm going to, oh, you're so mad, and you just, pow. How many have ever had to eat your words after you play the bull? Come on. We all have. How many of you ever shot your mouth off in the presence of the, at the right target, but in the presence of the wrong people? How many of you ever done that? And then you offended everybody with your shotgun mouth. That's right. It's better shut your mouth and just say, God, what do I say? There was a lot of that at the funeral. It was easier, you know what, we were prayed up and it was easier to walk in love. Really is. Because then you win. Eternally. Can I tell you something? I had to tell you this because the, the, the Bible says that when we're training you for the work of the ministry, part of the work is working with people that might be a little bit offensive. I can't afford to get into offense with anybody. It's the truth. How many of you ever had a piece of family members, every time they see you, they say, oh, I just love those fat little cheeks of yours. I mean, you your fat hands off of me. No, I'm kidding. But you know what? <laughs> but you don't say that. You just, thank you. <laughs> you know, you want to turn around and say something bad. But we can't. Pass out the communion elements right now. We're going to close with this. Those of you that brought your Bibles, turn our Bibles to the book of First Kings, chapter four.
Yeah, well, man, I had we have we had at least two aunts like that on my dad's side, and then one on my mom's side, and it was like we don't want to see them. First Kings chapter four. I'm gonna go down to about verse twenty-one. How many are ready to know a mystery of the kingdom? How many here want to learn a mystery of the kingdom through the word, the sowing of the word? I, I love this part because I believe, this is my personal opinion, this is God talking, well, it could be, but I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not sure that it is, okay? So I'm going to say it could be, but watch this. I believe that the, that the kingdom of David's kingdom under Solomon's rule is supposed to be a manifestation of the kingdom of God here on earth during, our, during our, our time. And I'll read this to you here, and it says, um, Judah and Israel, this verse 20, Judah and Israel became as numerous as, as the sand on the seashore. You know what? Isn't that sound like a little bit like Abraham's promise? But I'll leave that there for you to enjoy. And they enjoyed abundance and ate and drank and rejoiced regularly. How many would like that to be a part of your picture? How many here wish you could just go throw a crusade and not have to worry about money? Not have to worry if only three people showed up because the offering was going to be great. Watch us. And they enjoyed and ate, drank, and rejoiced regularly. Solomon ruled over all the kingdoms. Now watch this. Don't say all the kingdoms. Say all. It's not just it's not, it's not just God's kingdom. Watch over all the kingdoms from the Euphrates River to the territory of the Philistines south to the border of Egypt. They brought tribute and served. Now watch this. These kingdoms brought tribute and served Solomon throughout his lifetime. Who did this? All of the other kingdoms. Now watch what it says. Solomon's daily provision. I, I like this. Watch. I'm going to read it in this in this 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 portion here. Solomon's provision for one day. Watch this. It sounds like when we have all our teens at the house. And, and, and Pastor David's provision for one day was 30 measures of flour, 60 measures of meal, 10 fat oxen, 20 oxen out of the pastures, 100 sheep, besides hearts, roebucks, and fallow deer, and fatted fowls. And Peter would be all over that, huh? Now watch this. For he had dominion over all the region on this side of the river, from the Tifsheth, to the Azah, over all the kings on this side of the river, and he had peace on all sides around him. How many here would like to have peace, just a circumference of peace all around you? Amen. Now what's this? For he had dominion over all the... Okay, we read that. And Judah and Israel dwelt safely, every man under his vine and under his fig tree, from Dan even to Beersheba, all the days of Solomon. And Solomon had 40,000 stalls of horses for his chariots, 12,000 horsemen, and these officers provided victuals for King Solomon and all that came to King Solomon's table, every man in his month, and they lacked nothing. That is a manifestation of the kingdom of God. Do you have a vision for that? Let's just talk about the, the, our part of the kingdom of God, the gathering place in Lifesword Ministries. What could we do if we were in this place and lacked in nothing? Could you imagine what we could do? Watch this at the end. It said right here. 
Verse 32. And he spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,000 and five. He spoke of trees and the cedar tree that is in Lebanon, even to the hyssop that springs out of the wall. He spoke also of beasts and fowls and creeping animals and of all the fishes. And there came all the people to hear the wisdom of Solomon from all the kings of the earth who had heard of his wisdom. What if God said that this ministry would be a Solomon's kingdom? And in our portion, people could come to hear the wisdom that you, not just me, that all of you have a part in Life's Word Ministries and in the gathering places that are going to be set throughout California and throughout Mexico, South America, and all through the West of the United States. Because that's what the Lord showed me. That's why when people talk about the vision, I need a, I need a lot of people. But what if this is a picture of the kingdom of God in manifestation in and on the earth? Do you understand why Jesus came speaking and proclaiming the kingdom of God? And he said that he is unraveling and revealing to your heart. Not a rhema word to teach, to teach you to get rich, but a rhema word that would bring riches to God's kingdom that you would partake in and take it to the rest and influence the rest of this world. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There is a group of people who five years ago took it upon themselves to, to have a campaign so that hotels would eliminate pornography from their hotel chain. And they are gaining, and many hotels are dropping it. Now, the cynical people are saying, well, it's because you can get it free on the Internet. Listen, they moved the hand of large corporations to remove from their hotels they were providing for the patrons that were there. What could you do in your part to influence the world around you? There isn't anything that you couldn't do. The reason at the table of the Lord today is that God wants you well so that you can influence your part of the kingdom. We have strength in our legs, our joints. We have strength in our backs, in our shoulders, our necks. Headache-free. We command cold symptoms to leave, breathing problems to be gone and be healed in Jesus' name, eye, ocular issues to be healed, ears to be unstopped, voices to be strong and clear in the name of Jesus. Father, thank you for healing manifestations of arthritis. We say go in Jesus' name. Internal issues, go in Jesus' name. Father, thank you that we are pain-free, that we are like that we are like Joshua and Caleb who survived the previous generations and that we are as strong as a man who is 20 and we can wield our sword and those things that you give us as, as though we were 20 years old. Father, stamina, strength in Jesus' name to these bodies. And we take the bread and receive healing. Jesus, by your stripes, your bruises, we are healed. Hallelujah. Don't make light of that. His body suffered tremendously. The bruising was a separation of the skin from the bone. We are healed in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Glory to God. The blood that cleanses us 
as it says in 1 John 1, at the end of the chapter, it says, and the blood of Jesus continually, continually, always in us, purifies and cleansing us of all unrighteousness. Take the cup. I am healed by his stripes. I am made strong by the word of God. Can I tell you something? I want you to begin to have a paradigm shift in your own mind. God's word. It has to be in you to be the final authority in your life. The final authority in your life concerning any subject. God's word. It means you have to study the word of God to see what he is saying to you to make it the final authority. And so many times we study the big picture. But there's times that you just study the smaller picture for you so that you understand what God is speaking to you. If he's speaking to you about righteousness issues because he wants you to pursue righteousness, we'll never be righteous like Jesus because don't, say, don't try to put that on a kid. You've got to be just like Jesus. And then you know what? Teach him to heal the sick and raise the dead and cleanse the leper. All right? That's, that's what being like Jesus was. Luke chapter 9, he said he gave them all power and authority. He gave them all power and authority to do what? Delegated power to do what? He sent them to cleanse the lepers, to cast out devils. Amen? To heal the sick. That's how you're like Jesus. Because he's already paid for your righteousness. Everyone look at your neighbor and say, I'm righteous because I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I am made righteous because of the righteousness of God in Christ. Someone, it's hard for people to bite that because it's a religious statement and it, and it crosses religious boundaries. But he has made you righteous. That's why it says it's, that favor surrounds you with a shield. You've got to learn how to walk in the word. Make it final authority. Amen. Let's prepare to receive this evening's tithes and offerings. Glory to God. I, I hope that the simplistic methods I use, like showing a cartoon showing a video does not offend you because these are things that these are tools that I use to bring about truth. All right, talk to audience. I am so glad you joined us. In Jesus' name, the blessing of the Lord be upon you. In the name of Jesus, receive his provision. And we thank you, Father, for the word that becomes manifest in our lives that it would bear fruit. 30, 60, and 100-fold. Amen.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.